I was actually really worried about what Gas was going to say about me, so thank you. When I saw that he was doing notices, I was like, oh no, please be kind. Um, well, this is definitely something I said I would never do. If anyone, um, you're probably as shocked as I am to see me up here, because I was always like, nah, no way, never. Um, but I just love how God works and kind of always just flips us and surprises us, doesn't he? Um, Mark kicked off this uh, series, and he shared with us, didn't he, a prayer that he and Steph actually prayed just after their wedding. And he just saying, God, we'd go anywhere and we'll do anything for you. Well, for me, that was 13 years ago. I prayed um, a very similar prayer saying, God, I'd do absolutely anything and go anywhere just as long as I'm being obedient to you. Um, what I can tell you, it's not always comfortable. It often pushes you out of your comfort zone. Um, and it isn't always pretty. It doesn't always go, <laughs> go how it's meant to go. Um, so when Mark asked me to preach, of course, everything in me was like, no chance, no way. Uh, but I prayed and God said yes. And I was just like, oh no, Are you kidding me? Um, but what chance, what choice did I have? Um, so it probably doesn't feel very comfortable for me. It might not be pretty. I just got to warn you, I'm joking. It's going to be absolutely fine because you guys are with me. So um, it will be cool. Uh, so this summer series title is From Me to You. And I kept thinking, well, what can I really bring? But of course, what I can bring is Jesus. So I'm going to bring a whole lot of Jesus. Um, what I love about Jesus was just how much he loved community and he loved fellowship. Um, so the question that I want to pose to us as a church is, are we ready to love our neighbor? So I'm going to unpack just how God has led me to this go through some scriptures with you guys, uh, look at some of the people that Jesus loved. He was such a radical of his day. And then look at just some really easy, easy practical ways that we can reach out to our communities and love our neighbours that we, we might live near. So something, got, something that God started stirring in me right back in January um, when we kicked off our position series and we looked at revival, didn't we? Um, and Mark was teaching on what revival would look like, what it is, um, but God kept saying to me, are you guys at St. Albans Vineyard ready? We saw little pockets of revival starting, didn't we? We had amazing healings and the testimonies keep coming in. I listened to a lot of podcasts from throughout the movement and I could see all over the world that revival was bubbling and was on everyone's lips as well and still is. Uh, well, we were seeing healings here over in Boise, Idaho in the USA. They were seeing miraculous healings over there. It was just awesome. When we had our worship night there, they were having worship nights there. Things were just exploding. Over in Northern Ireland, there was um, revival bursting out in a secondary school with all these teenagers coming to know Jesus and it taking fire on social media. It just started really getting me excited. Yet God kept saying to me, yeah, but are you ready? You see, revival's not going to be confined to the four walls here in this church. Sure, we're going to see signs and wonders, but it's going to be out there. It's going to mean that we're not going to need to bring Jesus, his kingdom, to those that might be very different to us, those that have different, uh, speak differently to us, look differently to us, have different religious beliefs, political um, beliefs, different sexual orientations to us. John Wimber, who's the founder of the Vineyard Movement, said this, We are Christ's ambassadors. Wherever we go, we must take his justice. That means that we've got to allow him to deal with any areas of unrighteousness in our own hearts. Do we hate others? Are we bigoted in our opinions? 
Do we readily take revenge when someone wrongs us? Do we revel in the downfall of others and the exaltation of ourselves? We must face and deal with these attitudes and act righteously towards everyone. Otherwise, how can we bring justice to the nations? I would like to add, how, how can we love our neighbors? You see, society is becoming increasingly individualistic, isn't it? We increasingly will only tolerate or commun be in community with those that share the same political stance as us, religious or cultural persuasions as ourselves. Our friends, our connect groups are all around our people, who we want to fit in with, who we feel comfortable with, or who we want to aspire to be. Do you know something? Since January, I, I always normally sit in the same place at church, I've got to be honest. Uh, and God started asking, like the Holy Spirit just prompted me to start moving around this place and sit in different places, up, down, here, there, everywhere. And do you know what I noticed? We are creatures of habit. We sit in the same places with the same people week after week. I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing. I totally get it, and I did it for years. So <laughs> it's something that I'm learning along in this process as well. Um, I get that people may not um, have a chance to catch up with people during the week. I do get it. But what I want to challenge us is, does it really give us the opportunity to be a true fellowship and be in community and get to know people that might be quite different to us? Guys, if we can't practice this here and love one another and model this to one another, how are we going to go out there and show the world how much God loves them? You know, for such a big church, we have very few people that are actually in connect groups. It just makes you think, doesn't it? I do get how hard this is. As I say, this is something that I'm learning myself. Mahatma Gandhi said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. How hard is that? It's unfortunately something I hear quite a lot from non-believers by the way that they see um, some, of, some Christians behaving. And it's just not how we're called to live. The Bible says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You see, loving others is a visible expression of our love for God. So I want to set you a challenge for next week. You guys are going to love me. <laughs> I was going to make you do this today, and Mark very wisely advised me not to. So you've got off light, I can tell you. I was going to be really harsh. Um, I want you to go and sit somewhere different next week with someone that you wouldn't normally sit next to or someone that you don't know. So if you're a single person, why don't you check, find someone, a big family or something, go and sit with them. Or if you're a family, why don't you ask a single person to come and join you? Or shock, horror, why don't you go and have a coffee with someone in blend after the service that you've never spoken to before? Challenge accepted? I didn't hear everyone. Challenge accepted? That's better. Um, so now we've kind of got that sorted, do you think that we're now ready to love our neighbor? You see, loving your neighbor is found eight times through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Loving your neighbor is so important to God, he not only repeats it, he makes it command. So could you turn please to Matthew 22, 36 to 40. Um, it's going to come up on the screen. I'm actually going to read it from my notes just because this is my first time. And I thought if I brought my Bible up here, I would drop it and not be able to read it. So I'm just going to read from my notes. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. 
This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, of same value, you could say. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. That makes it pretty clear, doesn't it? You see, Jesus was being questioned uh, and provoked by the Sadducees, who were religious leaders of their day. And, and to be honest, they'd kind of turned away from God's heart for his people. God's heart has always been for relationship with us and for one another. Um, and I think, quite honestly, they were just starting to inflict rules just to keep control over people rather than nurturing those relationships. God's heart has always been for his people to act justly, to love one another. And Jesus comes to remind that of us, doesn't he? People, I often hear people say, and I kind of believe this at one stage myself, that the God of the Old Testament was a very different God to the God of the New Testament. But actually, when you start to um, get to know God and you start reading the scriptures for yourself, you actually see that it's just the same God, don't you? That his heart has always just been of love and wanting us in relationship. What I love also about the New Testament is that it always reflects back to the old. So the first passage of this um, quote in Matthew 22 is actually quoting Deuteronomy 6.5. They're going to come up on the screen. I'm not going to read them because you'll soon find out. I'm, um, <laughs> the next one's actually from Leviticus 9, 9 to 18, and it's quite a chunky verse. But it will come up, so please just have a scan. But God lays out really detailed instructions of how to treat others, how to treat the foreigner living amongst us, how to treat those that... Um, are without those that live next door to us and in our communities Jesus repeats the importance of what has always been God's blueprint for us I could actually preach for about three weeks on this um, number one on loving God number two on loving ourselves and number three on loving your neighbor uh, but we don't have time for that so on top of your challenge I'm setting you homework <laughs> I told you you're gonna love me but what we do here on a Sunday, this isn't your main meal. This is just to whet your appetite. The main meal and the hard work is down to us. We've got to study the scriptures ourselves. So ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and start studying and read up what it means to love God, how much he loves you, and through that you'll learn how to love yourself. There are some great resources out there to help you even do that. Um, what I find, I've got a study Bible, and for me, that's the best thing, because it's all in one place. <laughs> um, so I've never got any excuse. I can't go, oh, I left my study Bible, I can't study. Um, so I could recommend definitely go and get one of that. You see, you need to know what love is before you can reach out and love anybody else. Now, I'm not saying this gives you a get-out clause, though. <laughs> I tried that one for a little while. You can't say to me, oh, well, I don't, know, I don't love myself enough yet, so I can't start loving anyone else. I did try that one. Do you know what I learned? You learn far more about yourself and about God's love for you when you step out and start loving people in your community. And I understand how hard this is. I'm actually an introvert, so my tendency is just to go in my office at lunchtime and shut my door. Or go home and shut my door and squirrel away and be a hermit crab. I do, get, I do get it, trust me. But that's why we need to do some internal work with God as part of this process. But do you know who got it right and who we can look to? Jesus. If you want to know um, how to love God and to love yourself, then we need to look at him. 
Do you know what I love about Jesus and why I fell in love with him 13 years ago? He's such a rebel. <laughs> Story of my life, always loved a rebel. But Jesus was. He was such a radical. If you don't know about Jesus, then I highly recommend just get to know him by reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can find that in the Bible. If you find reading hard going, there's some awesome audible uh, versions of the Bible that you can listen to. Um, we've got a Bible app as well, and you can little, even watch videos that explain each of the Gospels to you. If you've already read them, um, please, can I just uh, encourage you just to reread them, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal more of the character of Jesus. You see, Jesus was such a radical of his day. Jesus' love is radical because he loved those on the margins, those that normally people didn't really want to mix with, the sinners, the sick. He went against the status quo and loved without the boundaries of the normal social norms. Jesus was creating a model of how to build his church. So I just want to unpack five groups of people that Jesus loved that was so radical and kind of, um, I'm hoping that it might, and I know it has with me, um, stirred up some prejudices uh, about people that we might struggle to love. You see, Jewish culture really edged certain people groups into the sidelines of society. That's why earlier we read about Jesus sort of um, challenging those religious leaders. Jesus shows up and this whole system is just flipped upon its head challenges everything. As Denise preached a couple of weeks ago, the kingdom perspective is the reality to our upside down world. So the number one people group was women. You see in first century Palestine, uh, there was a lot of gender segregation, so men and women were separated in public. Um, it was very uncommon. Um, they weren't instructed on the Torah, the holy book. Um, men didn't even speak directly to women. Not only do we see Jesus speaking to women, he does so with such respect and tenderness. And we see that, don't we, in Luke chapter 8, verse 38, with the woman with the issue of the blood. Jesus even allows his ministry to be um, funded financially by women. Can you imagine the scandal that must have caused? <laughs> women were also part of his close social uh, network. And it was to women he first appeared to after his death and resurrection. And number two, the poor. Jesus' teaching humanized the poor. He demonstrated God's heart for their well-being. Jesus said, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus loved all people. And he demonstrates that, doesn't he? That we should treat all with dignity and respect. It really challenged me. Who sits at our table? Who do we invite to dinner parties? Is it the people that we think um, might invite us back to a cool party? Is it people that we think might give us a promotion or it look cool that we're hanging out with them? It really makes you think, doesn't it? Number three, the sick and the unclean. To be sick or unclean really meant that you were a social outcast. People didn't want to come near you. Jews were concerned, uh, pretty obsessed actually, with purity and did not want to risk the stigma of becoming unclean themselves. In Mark chapter 140, Jesus is approached by a leper who's desperate to be healed. Jesus not only heals this man, but he reaches out and he touches him. This was so radical. Like, holy men would have been the last people to go anywhere near this man. 
This man probably hasn't had human touch for years. And Jesus just shows his compassion and his humanizing kindness again. Um, I've grown up with my mum who's got multiple sclerosis and she's been uh, in a wheelchair for the last couple of years. Um, she's absolutely fine in herself, it's just her legs. She even says herself, if you cut my legs off, be absolutely fine. Um, but we, when we go out, she is in a wheelchair and sometimes when she'll let me, I am in charge, I am allowed, sometimes aren't I half, not always, to, to push her. Um, and when you go into a supermarket, it's really interesting actually to see people's reactions to somebody in a wheelchair. Um, so you sort of get to the checkout, and her real mum there, and they completely blank her, and they speak to me. And I always do a very overdramatic and play dumb and sort of look at my mum, and I ignore the cashier. I sort of think, no, it's not to do with me. It's you need to speak to her. I, we deal with a lot of people that have um, mental health illnesses through the care centre, and a lot of them feel so isolated because peop they find that people just don't want to know anymore that they become too much of a hassle, that they don't get invited out to things anymore. It really challenges me, actually, on who we have made social outcasts in our society. Number four, oppressors. The Jews really had no love for Rome, and I really can't blame them. But they thought that their Messiah was going to be a warrior king um, that was going to come and kick them all out. Not really our Jesus. But the Jews who collected money, the tax collectors on behalf of Rome, you can imagine, they were not loved. But of course, Jesus flips in again, and this is who he wants to um, hang out with and have fellowship with and invite to his table. When a Roman centurion sends Jewish elders to request that Jesus comes to heal his dying servant, Jesus doesn't go, yeah, right, not going to heal them. I know the thought probably would have gone through my mind, if I'm honest. I may not have said it, but I probably would have thought it. Jesus goes. While he's on his way, um, he gets a message saying that uh, the centurion doesn't even feel worthy to have Jesus in his home, but just say the word and I know that he'll be healed. And Jesus is just astounded by this man's faith. Number five is racial enemies. There's well-documented hatred between uh, the Jews and the Samaritans going back centuries. When Jesus told a teacher of the law that loving his neighbor as himself was an important part of fulfilling the law, he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Jesus, of course, flips in again, and, and he uses the story uh, where the Samaritan is a hero. And you can read about that in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. In another story, Jesus confronts both gender and racial discrimination. He ends up alone with a woman at the well, doesn't he, who's a Samaritan woman. The discussion covers some of the misunderstandings that exist between the uh, Samaritan and the Jewish worshippers, while all the time Jesus is displaying sincere concern for the woman. The result, the conversion of many in Samaria. How many of these can we relate to? How would you feel if you had a woman in leadership over you? How would you feel if you had a man in leadership over you? How do you relate to those that might not have the same economic or educational standards as us, status as us? Or those that cannot repay us with the same hospitality? Do we have any prejudice about certain people groups or cultures? I'm going to be really honest here. I always used to think, I don't really have any prejudices. I like everyone. And God really started uh, prodding me on this and has really shown a mirror to myself. 
Can we have the picture up, please? What about this man? You see, God really challenged me on this. Now, I'm not being political here. I'm not making any comment about the political party that he stands for. It was my attitude towards him personally. You see, I started doing to him the very thing that I decided that I didn't like about him. I dehumanized him by laughing at memes, completely disregarding anything he said. As soon as the man would come on the TV, I would turn it off. Didn't want to know. Don't want to know anything more. I've made up my mind. But by doing that, I've actually cut off a huge proportion of people, haven't I? And what they believe and their thoughts and ideas. There's a quote that says, being taught to avoid talking about politics and religion has led to a lack of understanding of politics and religion. What we should have been taught instead is how to have a civil conversation about difficult topics. How true is that? What about the next group of people? How would you feel if they were your neighbors? They've obviously got very different religious beliefs to us. How would we feel having conversation and inviting them to our table? What about the next group? How would you feel about having conversation with them and asking their ideas on their beliefs and their, what, their politics? It's really challenging, isn't it? You can kind of see why we need to do this internal stuff as part of this. We need to be more like Jesus, huh? By reaching out to those considered on, beyond reach, he taught and led as a living example of the will of God and how we should treat those around us. You see, society sees people according to stereotypes, but Jesus saw each individual needs and saw them for who they truly are, created in the image of God. So all of those people, all of us, all created in the image of God. Sorry, I feel like I've, <laughs> I've been quite hard on you all. We're going to pray afterwards, but what I wanted to do now is move on just to some practical, fun ways that you can reach out to your communities. So how can we practically love our neighbor? There's this awesome little book. Um, it's by Jay Pathak and Dave Runyon. Dave Pathak is a pastor of a church in Mile High Vineyard in the USA. And it's called The Art of... Art of that's a tongue twister, The Art of Neighboring, and it's about building genuine relationships right outside your door. We've got a few copies at the bookstore for you guys to buy. Um, I'd highly recommend it. It's a great little book. Um, so this is my lot. That's the Dina's. Um, so I'm a single mum, which meant that I moved a lot when my son was first born. And we finally settled about seven years ago in where we're living now. Um, you see, I always was, knew that this calling, this mission to be in community and to love our neighbors was such a serious thing that both my son and I, that's what we wanted. We were desperate for community when we moved. Uh, so my son came up with an awesome idea of inviting all 34 houses that surround our close to a picnic. Of course, the introvert in me was like, oh my gosh, 34 families that I have to make small talk with. I don't want to do it. Um, and then the fear set in of, oh my goodness, what if we invite them all and no one comes and it'll be so embarrassing. And then the fear factor of, what, if, what, what, what will they think of me? What will they think? Oh, who's this new girl? Who does she think she is? What a weirdo. Um, 
But do you know what? We made the invites, we posted them through, and our first Dina's picnic was born. And next week, we're going to celebrate our seventh one. This was a couple of months ago at the pub. Obviously, the kids didn't come to that one. Um, we range from about five, five months, five months old to nearly 90. We've all got very difficult, different um, political stances. We all have very different religious beliefs and faiths. But do you know what? That's awesome. We've had some great conversations, and I've learned about some spirituality I never knew existed. Um, it's great just to be in community, um, and we have lots of fun. And I can hear what you're saying. Yes, they're very good for you, but I'm busy. I'm tired when I get home. I'm shy. I just need space. Trust me, I know. I really know. Um, but I also know that it's our mission is to our neighbors, so we can live in community. So I just want to share some really easy little practical things that I've learned, some friends, some things that I do myself, and some things from the book, of just some ways that we can reach out to our community and be neighbors that even the most time poor of us can handle. So you ready? Number one way is to pray. Oh, always pray. Get to know the names of your neighbors. Know some specifics about them and pray for them and with them. Invite them to activities you already do yourself. So if you're on a football team uh, or you play netball, maybe you like to go wild swimming. That's what I inflicted on one of my neighbours. She loved it in my defence. Invite them along. It is so much fun. And then you're not spending any more time than you would normally, would you? You're just inviting people along to stuff that you normally do. Give and share what you already have. If you've got an allotment, why don't you pick some veggies and leave them to someone? We've got someone in our close that loves to grow plants, and she leaves them out for the neighbors. Um, most of them end up in my house. I've noticed a few more snuck in. Um, <laughs> um, leave them out for the neighbors. It's a lovely way of blessing people. Maybe you do batch cooking, and there's a single person that works late and probably gets home and never eats a proper meal. Maybe you could leave them a meal. If you have kids, invite the neighbor's children over for play dates or along to church. Maria and Mana do such an awesome job, and, and visitors are always welcome. If your kids are in Ventureland, Mana's already used some of this, actually praying for your communities. Get your children involved. Ask them for ideas of how to reach out to your neighbors. Ask or offer to help with a home project. So we used to come home sometimes, and my elderly neighbor had mown our lawn. Um, my neighbor unfortunately passed away, and, and he moved on. Um, and my son seems to have taken up that baton, and he'll go out and mow people's lawns. It's an awesome way of just um, serving in your neighborhoods. We've all been blessed, haven't we, with uh, gifts that God's given us. And we've all got passions and things that we love doing. So for me... I love the outdoors and I love water sports. Um, so I just want to encourage you to get involved with community groups. So the scouts, the guides, or even a school. Um, so I help out every spring and summer with my son's scout group and I help them with their kayaking, canoeing. It's an awesome way to be, to be able to feed into these kids' lives and share some of the passions that I have with them and build them up. But also giving so much back to communities that are run just by um, volunteers. We've got members of the team here that give up their Friday, every Friday, running beaver groups. It's just awesome. They really go above and beyond. I don't want to embarrass them by saying who it is. <laughs> Peter Thornton and Peter Young um, approached Mark and myself as they wanted to utilize their connect group by reaching out to their neighbors. 
they got their connect group and they went to a local nursing home and cleared their garden. They had an awesome time, but made such an impact that nursing home. And we're now looking at rolling out that initiative throughout the connect groups next year. Maybe you frequent a gym or a cafe or a pub. Serve where you go. What do I mean by that? If you're in the gym, one of my pet hates, pick up the equipment and put it away after yourself. It's really not that hard. <laughs> Sorry, that's my personal little thing. Um, learn people's names. Learn, learn the staff's names. Invite them to the Acoustic Cafe. It's a great event that we run here. Give them little gifts at Christmas. It really does make um, a big difference to them. I think often we avoid places, don't we, as like pubs and clubs, because we think, oh my goodness, they're not places good Christians should go. Can I challenge you on something? Where would Jesus be? Would he be sitting here waiting for people to come in? Uh-uh. He'd be out there, wouldn't he? He'd be out there getting to know people and loving them. Now, I'm not saying this is giving you a get-out clause. Please don't start saying, well, Heather said that you can go out and start getting drunk and getting up to the same shenanigans as everyone else. I'm saying that we can be the light in these places. You can be community. You can bring Jesus to a world that is so desperate to be loved and known and accepted and understood. Can I invite the band up, please? So my challenge to you, go and study what it means to love God, to love yourself. Sit somewhere different, for a few weeks, just get to know some of your church community and be in fellowship with them and reach out to your neighbours and love them and love your communities back to life. Do you guys mind just standing for a minute? I just want to pray. If you know that the Holy Spirit has been stirring in you, maybe some prejudices start boiling up like, like me. You just didn't really know that you had until you were faced with them. Maybe you do hate others, as John Wimber said. Are you bigoted in your opinions? Have you held back from reaching out to those around you because of fear? Maybe you're an introvert and you want to be more bold. Then just raise your hand, I just wanna pray. Come Holy Spirit, Father God, we're sorry for where, where we have held those prejudices against people, Father God. Father, just help us to be more like Jesus transform our hearts and our minds to be more like him. Help us to have the boldness to reach out to our communities, to show love, to be light and be Jesus' hands and feet, to love our communities back to life. And I ask this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.